your boy Big Zuwap, Zucha Hendrix. Mama, this man just gave me the pick of the week because we making some money tonight. Oh, it's your boy Ed all zooming and you know what it is. It's Gridiron You right here and we're, and I can't believe I am about to say this, but we are heading into week eight of the college football season already. And that is, that is just blowing my mind. And I mean, the first half of the year, that was some wild stuff that we had going on. We had a couple of teams that we believed were contenders drop out of it. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Texas. I'm looking at you, Georgia. Even Oregon. But they still around. <laughs> but now it's time that we start to get down with the get down of this college football season and see who is a contender and who is a pretender. Because right now, if you ask me, honestly have about five teams that I could see making the college football playoff. But obviously, this is all contingent on crazy things that could still happen. I mean, nobody, nobody, except for maybe if you were a fan of the old Gamecocks that uh, predicted that South Carolina was going to go and beat Georgia on the road, especially the way they did it. I mean, to uh, get that pick in the first OT and then missed a field goal, and still win it. You know, Blankenship missing a field goal, that man is one of the best kickers in the country. That's That was insane to me. So what a what a time to be alive, am I right? And I forgot to go on this on Monday Monday the other day. So on a thirsty Thursday, we out here, and I'm going to have to go off on my guy Jake Fromm for a second because I think it's finally time that – College football fans, that NFL draft people, everybody who seems to be uh, falling in love with Jake Fromm, which I 100% believe is only because he was playing in the national championship game in his freshman year, and that team has very good success as a team. I think people have given him way too much credit over his time at Georgia, and in my honest opinion, the guy is nothing more than a glorified game manager. I mean, honestly, look at this kid. He's a C, he's a junior, right? Probably playing in his last year if he really wanted to. In his last year, he does not make the right decisions. He never makes the right read. Every once in a while, he'll just hit a guy about four yards away from the line of scrimmage, and then that dude will bust it for a little bit, get him a few passing yards, quote-unquote, even though it's more about the yards after catch. From, I mean, even the coaches, you can tell they don't believe in him. They don't open up the playbook ever, ever. This team has, I haven't seen Georgia really sling the ball around at all. I haven't even seen Jake Fromm throw for 300 yards in a while. And Saturday was the perfect, perfect, perfect. 
perfect display of what I think Jake Fromm is. And honestly, if you people are out there right now like, ah, oh, Zoo, you, you way too hard on him right now, man. You know, Jake Fromm's the man. Why? Why is he so great? Why is he so great? Honestly, please explain it to me why Jake Fromm is so good. What do you like about him? There are another 50 quarterbacks in college football that probably do exactly what you say you like about Jake Fromm. Probably at least that many. And you know what? The guy that he took the job from, Jacob Eason, who's now at Washington, I would say he's a better quarterback this season and in general than Jake Fromm is. But I can't knock Georgia for going with Fromm in the beginning because you look and you say, oh, wow, this freshman kid really has some good poise in there. He's getting some things done. But if it's three years, two years later, and we're still just talking about the poise that you have, and that's it, I can't be bothered with you, man. This guy lives and dies off of who his running backs are. And I mean, honestly, if they don't have the duo they had that year, the first year there, man, they, they're just not, you know, they're not going to the college football playoff. They probably don't play for the SEC championship because they have Jake Fromm under center. Georgia, I mean, he's a good quarterback. I'll, I'll give him that. He's a good college quarterback, but he is nothing more than a game manager. Nothing more. And definitely could be something less than that. I just, I'm done. I'm done hearing all these people talking about how great Jake Fromm is, how he's going to be a top 10 pick at a draft. You know what? You want to look for the guy who's going to suck in this QB draft if they go in the if they go in the top 10? Jake Fromm is your boy. Jake Fromm is your huckleberry for that one. And I'm just, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of everybody. And I've said it a couple times just in this rant. But it's a joke. It's a joke when you hear these quote-unquote experts on ESPN because that's really who pumps Jake Fromm up the most. I mean, everybody else is a little more realistic with what they think of him. But ESPN, for whatever reason, is in love with this kid. They stick him in the top 10 players, top 10 quarterbacks, top 5 quarterbacks. He ain't none of that. He's a junior who should be in the running for a Heisman Trophy based on how much that you people talk about him. Based on how much everybody loves him and thinks how great he is. He's nothing. Georgia would have won that game against South Carolina if he was the quarterback that we all thought that he was. He's nothing. He's a game manager. All right, I don't think I got anything left to say about Jake Fromm right there. I think I got it all out. I just realized as soon as I finished the episode on Monday, I forgot to throw that in there because I really wanted to uh, really wanted to voice that opinion right there because, like I said, I'm tired of all these experts just in love with Jake Fromm because there is really nothing to be in love with. Nothing. Nothing to be in love with. That game Saturday was a microcosm of who he is as a player. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I'm done with Jake Fromm. Not done with Georgia because Georgia 
is a good program. Georgia is a good team. Unfortunately, they don't have the type of quarterback who can make the big plays like everybody thought that he could. I said this coming into the year. Go re-listen to the SEC preview. I talked about how Jake Fromm doesn't have those weapons that he had in the past. He has the least amount of weapons that he has ever had. And he ain't going to do nothing with it. Why? Because those weapons have bailed him out in the past so many times. So many times. Now, he doesn't have them. And you're seeing exactly who Jake Fromm is as a quarterback. But anyway, we go on to the news here. And we, we keep it up in the SEC. But we head over to Alabama where I'm not... I mentioned this earlier in the season. Uh, Alabama had a defensive lineman, a freshman defensive lineman, Antonio Alfano. He uh, left the team for whatever reason. Nick Saban just said he quit on us. He officially announces his uh, entry into the transfer portal. He will be leaving Alabama. And... That's real interesting because a lot of people who are freshmen and just getting on campus at Alabama, I mean, they either get in trouble and take off or they just end up leaving. And this guy was the number 28 recruit in the country, not at his position in the country, from New Jersey, another New Jersey guy. So when I go off on Rutgers for how pathetic of a program they are, keep a tab of that. Number 28 recruit, defensive lineman from Jersey. He's going into the transfer portal, though, so... We'll see where he ends up headed to. I mean, a young kid, he's going to have all his eligibility, I would assume, since, you know, the new redshirt rule. So this year should be redshirted. He should be able to play next season and have four years of eligibility in total. Um, I wish the kid the best. Obviously, you never want to see anybody have uh, failures. Um, I hope Nick Saban does the same thing and doesn't try to criticize him again in the same manner that he did prior to that, saying he quit on the team and whatnot. You know what, Nick Saban? You quit on a lot of programs in the past, too, by just taking off on them. So I wouldn't be talking if I was you. And that's a whole nother story for a whole nother day. But when these coaches get on these players for transferring, I think that's BS. Because you know what? That player has the right to transfer. Just like any student has the right to transfer. Just like you as a coach. If you wanted to go coach at another university, you could just say, yeah, I'll go there and they'll pay your buyout fee. That's enough is enough, man. I hope Nick Nick Saban just wishes the kid the best. That's all I want to hear is, hey, we wish him the best in the future. And unlike, unlike Antonio here, though, we have another Alabama freshman who is, uh, who has been escorted off campus, maybe not on his own, uh, own wishes, but a freshman kid named Connor Bruce Kroll. These wackos always have three names, but he uh, called in a bomb threat to LSU Tiger Stadium on Saturday during the Florida LSU game. Why, you may ask? Well, because apparently, and this is a quote, uh, maybe not verbatim, but he said one of his friends was going to lose a big bet. Yup, that's what the boy said. You kidding me, son? You kidding me, son? You're calling in a bomb threat? 
because you're about to lose a bet? Well, sheesh. <laughs> I assume your buddy lost the bet anyway. And I guess now it's going to be pretty hard for you to pay that bail to get out of jail since ain't nobody got the money for you since they all lost it on the game. That's pathetic, man. That's some pathetic crap. I mean, it's kind of funny because the dude got immediately caught. <laughs> I mean, this game was Saturday. Dude was arrested on like Monday or Tuesday or whatever. <laughs> it's just an example, man. Don't be an idiot. Like, just don't be an idiot. Don't be a jerk. You know, you can you can have your opinions even if they're angry. But just don't be an idiot. Like, you, this is idiotic crap. You know, you make mistakes in life when you're a kid. You know, maybe you uh maybe you go and you get take traffic violations or a couple traffic violations and then you have to take drivers, you know, uh defense classes or maybe you get a public intox or an underage intox when you're in college. Come on, man. You calling them bomb threats? That's like a legitimate crime, bro. That's like a federal offense. And I know the other things I just mentioned are quote-unquote crimes, but let's get real here. If you get a ticket for going 55 and a 40, it ain't the same thing as calling in a damn bomb threat. If you're 18 years old and you get in trouble for being drunk because, you know, we have to write tickets because we have a quota, then... I'm sorry, that ain't the same thing. <laughs> so crap, bro. It's a terrible job by you. And it's a terrible job by your friends for allowing you to do that. So have fun in jail, my friend. And we go from that bomb scare to a real bomb that's exploded at Boston College. And that is this pathetic season for Steve Adazio. And that might not have been the nicest smooth. <laughs> nice, nicest smooth over there, but... Yeah, Steve Adazio and his team this year, they just keep on looking like garbage. And right now they lost starting quarterback Anthony Brown for the season with a lower leg injury. Uh, there's no more no more information on the injury except for it's a lower leg injury. Um, I mean, that sucks. He, he was a good player, wasn't having a great year. Had a lot of issues. I mean, that team has a lot of issues. And like I said earlier in the season, I don't see Steve Adazio making it through uh, into next year. So this is just one more nail that is getting drilled into that coffin that just continues to, you know, sink lower and lower and lower for the man. So, I mean, I don't, I don't have any personally anything with the dude, but I'm just saying, man. That Boston College program should be a lot better with the talent that they have on offense. And with that backfield, now you lose Anthony Brown. Now your mediocre record is just going to turn into a really bad record. Especially when A.J. Dillon is probably headed to the draft. And I mean, he can just redshirt whenever he wants if he really wanted to. He can just take off whenever he wants to. Not to say that's a good thing or it should happen, but it can happen. And that's, that's something you got to be conscious of. Oh, man. And another thing. Another thing about BC real quick. Get, get it together when you hire this next head coach. Bring in somebody who has a little bit of a pedigree. You don't have to go and get the less miles in the world. But you see what Mac Brown's doing down in UNC? That's a winner. 
maybe bring in somebody like that, somebody that fits your culture. I, I feel like Les Miles doesn't really fit the culture at Kansas or can't build a culture there. But we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We got to keep our eye on this right here because I think this is uh, Chris Ash already got fired this year. I think Steve Adazio might be on his way to being number two in there. <laughs> oh, man. But that game against Texas Tech and Baylor this weekend, how about that? That was a wild one. Went to double overtime. Baylor wins, keeps their undefeated record going, but not without controversy. And, I mean, if you watch the game in the first overtime, Baylor fumbled a snap. Texas Tech fell on it. The refs called it an illegal snap. Baylor gets the ball back. They end up scoring. And the overtime proceeds. And then they won it in, double, in the second overtime. Texas Tech, ate, uh, their athletic director, Kirby Hokut, he actually came out and said that the Big 12 provided him with uh, explanation and almost an apology for blowing that call. And, I, I mean, they definitely blew the call. He called him out. I can't can't knock him because that's what you see everywhere. But it, it, the Big 12 has now come out and said, that's no good, buddy. You can't, be, you can't be going out here and spreading the exact wordage and all this stuff that we, uh, we put into these emails and spreading the emails because the actual email that the Big 12 sent to uh, Kirby was posted on, I believe, 24-7 Sports, the website. Now, I don't know how the hell they got that, but I could only assume that it's from somebody within the Texas Tech Athletic Department. And that's a bad move if you're Texas Tech because you're 100% in the right here except for doing that. And now the Big 12 is looking to fine Kirby Hocutt for this uh, poor decision-making. And Texas Tech and their fans and their supporters and their boosters are all going nuts now. They're like, ah, how are you? How are you going to find him? They're building up a fun uh, GoFundMe for to pay the fine for the whole cut. And I mean, I can't disagree because they did blow the call and they did admit it. But we know this on all levels of football. You're not supposed to be out there saying that stuff, and you definitely are not supposed to be sharing confidential emails. And as much as you're quote unquote in the right here. You should definitely take a step back and try to realize, like, okay, is it worth it to do what I'm doing right now? They're not going to reverse the game decision. Like, it's not gonna, It's not like they're going to be like, oh, okay, well, you know, Texas Tech, you guys win because we, we made a mistake. And you, and you came out publicly and said this. So, no, we're going to go fix the game. We're going to give you a win and Baylor get a loss. It's not going to happen. So I don't know what you try to do by coming out and doing and saying all these things and throwing a tizzy fit, but you look like a baby, man. Just get over it. Go on to the next. Win the next game. It's, it's stupid, man. It really is. And I mean, these dummies that have these high-ranking positions need to stop trying to be uh, clickbait. And they need to start doing their jobs. And that leads me into my next story, which uh, we talk about people on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. And how they are looking to 
put in the new law to pay college athletes or compensate college athletes. And they had a big round table <laughs> discussion the other day with none, none other than the sporting genius and the uh, commissioner of all American sports, Mitt Romney, leading it. Because all of a sudden, Mitt Romney is the expert on paying uh, college athletes and how they should be compensated, even though we had multiple congressmen and women working on bills prior to him coming and saying, We're coming for you, NCAA! <laughs> like, come on, man. Just shut up. Stop trying to be clickbait all the damn time. All these politicians, that's all they're doing, man. And I don't disagree with passing a nationwide law that allows college athletes to be compensated for what they do because they should make some compensation. It is a little ridiculous. And I mean, if you do know, they do get some money. And that's part of it, man. Like, it, these people don't even know what they're talking about. We just literally had an FBI probe going into these universities to look at recruiting scandals because players were getting money. And now they want to pay the players. So these people don't care. They don't care because they're on different sides of the argument whenever it makes sense to them. Whenever they want to be and they're allowed to be all of a sudden. It's ridiculous. They just go for the low-hanging fruit, low-hanging fruit, low-hanging fruit. And it's getting to a point where it's just like, man, get the hell out of my sports. They're doing it with the NBA as well, and this is not a basketball show, and I will not go too much on basketball. But I just want to say, man, you know what? The NBA, yeah. Maybe they shouldn't be as buddy-buddy with China, and maybe some of the players should say some different things than what they are saying, just kind of like blowing it off. But come on, man. For these politicians to try to act like they're not sleazy bags of crap who are doing this crap with China as well, it's ridiculous. They're, they're making asses out of themselves. And we all sit here and we go, yay, yay. Why? Because we look at whatever station we want to look at and they tell us whoever we want to like, we should like them. And you all believe it. Grow a mind for yourself, people, and realize most of this crap is just to get you to vote for them next time. You think Mitt Romney gives a damn about any of these athletes, these student athletes? Hell no. He wants to make sure he can go on another run for president. He wants to see if he can't get himself in the damn conversation to be a president of the United States. You think he cares? No. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, man. And we actually had legitimate congressmen and women who are coming to the table with bills, with actual things, with knowledge of the situation. Not just saying, ah, oh, we need to get these kids paid and we're coming for you, NCAA. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous, man. It's just really, it's ridiculous. And if you fall for this type of stuff, then good for you. You know what? You still believe in Santa Claus. But come on, bro. We really need to, we really need to fix this up. 
and we need to understand why some of these people are putting their face on some of these things. Not because they care, but because they just want to be elected for something. And I don't like that. Not when you're playing with kids' lives. Not when you don't know what you're talking about. So I agree 1,000% with the fact that Congress is trying to put a law through to get compensation for these players because it has to be a national law. It has to be a federal law. Because if it's a state-by-state law, then you're going to really have the FBI going around town checking this crap out. You know why? Because there's going to be a lot of quote-unquote violations going on. Ugh. But... I leave that for another day because I'm sure this will keep coming up over the next year, two years. (laughs) So we'll have a lot of time to talk about this, people. Don't worry. But if you're Mitt Romney, you can go F yourself. And uh, finally, this is a little random tidbit I found just to lighten up the mood a little bit after that. But targeting is down in the FBS by 30 two percent this season so there you go less targeting penalties happening maybe less targeting penalties getting called who knows but uh targeting's down 32 percent there's a little stat the ncaa wanted to throw at you there as they uh continue to say they shouldn't pay players and whatnot which i don't agree with well not don't agree with but i don't think that players should not get compensation they definitely should Man, I'm in a mood today, man. I am in a mood today. Let's check out Penn State because we got the Nittany Lions out here. They are number seven in the country. They are undefeated. And I didn't see this coming because I thought this would be a year where Penn State has to rebuild to a degree, you know, that they uh, maybe weren't going to be at the elite that they should be at uh, because they lost a lot. They lost a lot of good players over the last two seasons, and it's hard to rebuild that. They really did, though, and James Franklin deserves all the credit in the world. I mean, obviously the players deserve credit, too, and I know everybody wants to blow players nowadays because, oh, how can you say that? The coach and all these people, oh, it's all the players, oh, oh, oh. Shut up. Like, shut up with just being... angry about everything man just shut up because James Franklin deserves a lot of a lot of the credit for this because he put this damn team together and players will go out there and play with James Franklin without him this team would not be where they are when Bill O'Brien left them if they don't get James Franklin they get some other second-rate coach and honestly that program probably starts going down a little bit James Franklin comes in never has a season with less than eight wins This guy's an animal. And I thought it would be the same thing this year. They get about eight wins, maybe nine. They're looking like they're going to be double digits. Easy. Easy double digits. And you got to chalk it up to the man right there. And, of course, the defense. And this is the number four defense in the country we're talking about right here. We're talking about a defense that has only allowed five touchdowns this season. We're talking about a defense that's number two in the nation in sacks with 27 trailing only the Ohio State University. So that will be a little interesting game to watch in the uh, Big Ten. And you got you to gotta look directly at 
Shaka Tony, and Itor Gross Matas because they both have five and a half sacks apiece leading this team on that route. And, I mean, this is a team that doesn't just get the production from the from the defensive lineman. I mean, yeah, we also got Robert Windsor at that D tackle who is a beast and will be playing on Sundays. But you look in that secondary, you got safeties that are getting sacks leading the team in tackles. I mean, just look at Lamont Wade and Garrett Taylor. Those two bulls are out there causing havoc. I mean, you can't even you can't even try to run in the secondary. You can't even try to get yak because they're going to take you down. And that's why this defense has only allowed five touchdowns. When you can't get these receivers into space and have them run and go out for a nice long play, that that shuts down offenses more times than not. And, I mean, damn, you look at the corners, too. You got Tariq Castro-Fields and John Reed. They're just they're just two pieces of a, of a DB uh, unit that have 28 passes defended and five interceptions. Now, that's a DB crew if I ever seen one. Because, I mean, Florida is, right, is there, and they probably are better in terms of pound for pound. But Penn State, man, they're in the Big Ten. That's a lot more running going on. It's a lot more short passes. This is a really, really, really good defense. This is an SEC caliber defense in a league that has three top five defenses in it. Maybe four. Maybe four if uh, we continue to go through the season. But sheesh, man, I'm just look up and down. LBs, you got... Cam Brown and Micah Parsons. And Parsons was a freshman last year, and he was a superstar on this team. And he is doing nothing short of that again this season. Will be playing on Sundays, probably starting next year after his junior season's over, you know, God willing, knock on wood. So, sheesh. This Penn State team should not be losing games by a lot. They will always keep themselves in games, and that's the most important thing when you're going down the stretch. Now, do I think they're going to go undefeated? No, because I think their schedule is really rough. They got a road game versus Minnesota. They got a road game versus Michigan State. They got a road game versus Ohio State down the stretch. That is not easy. That's not easy money. That's that's very difficult to win those games. Uh even the Michigan State game, even with the way that program looks right now, they still, that's just not, that's not an easy game. D'Antonio can get those boys up for a big one. I mean, you know Minnesota, if they can stay undefeated going into that Penn State game in a couple weeks, maybe they get game day there, that place is going to be off the charts. But we have to wait and see because the Penn State offense is where the question marks are. And Sean Clifford, while he's thrown for 1,560 yards, 13 touchdowns, only two interceptions, the reason why he is valuable is right here. 252 rushing yards, second on the team, and two touchdowns. And now he's not the only one making moves, but Noah Kane, as number one running back, he's starting to make things happen, man. He's got a two consecutive 100-yard rushing games. So we're going to we're going to see if he's going to be the bell cow down the stretch and if he can turn into that Miles Sanders, 
I don't want to even say Saquon Barkley because getting to that level is damn near impossible. But if he can just be a, a workhorse like those guys who puts in ridiculous amounts of, like, he's averaging over five yards a carry right now, this kid. If he can continue that, I mean, sheesh, this team is going to be fine. But we don't know that yet because he's just starting to hit his stride. He just has back-to-back 100-yard games, which we're looking at now, and we're going, okay, okay, this guy might be the dude. But now this week he might come out and he might only get 40 yards on 12 carries against a good Michigan defense. So we got to watch him. But while he gets bottled up, take a look for K.J. Hamler. He's a star at receiver. He's got 455 yards so far this year and five touchdowns. And in Happy Valley, that is a good, good receiver. Following right in the path of guys like Allen Robinson and Johnson and a lot more dudes. And I mean, Johnson took off, went over to Oregon, but if he would have stayed this year, who knows how that offense would have looked. <laughs> but like I said, this offense isn't going to go win you games, but they won't lose you it either because they have – the most minimal amount of turnovers I've ever seen. Those two interceptions that my man uh, Clifford has, that's it for him. He has no other turnovers, and this team is plus big time in the turnover category this season. So with Penn State, you gotta you got to just pay attention to detail down the stretch. If you're Penn State, you got to just pay attention to getting yourself a couple more dudes involved in the passing game. Because if you can get some more guys in the passing game, and this boy, Noah Kane, can really start making his mark out there, I think this is a team that could set themselves up for a nice undefeated versus undefeated matchup with Ohio State in a couple of weeks. And that, my friends, that will be a fun game. Actually, let me rephrase that. That will be a fun-ass game, man. <laughs> Had to throw a little expletive in there, even though it's not a curse. Some of y'all probably think it is, but it ain't. <laughs> and it is Thursday, so we have some games coming up. Uh, so before we get to the games of the week and the picks of the week, I want to give a shout-out to Troy real quick. Troy. Beats South Alabama 37-13 last night. Troy's up to 3-3 three and three on the year. That's a nice little uh, nice little developing program down south there, Troy. And it'll be interesting to see how they're able to rebound after losing Neil Brown, who was incredible with them, 10-win season, 10-win season, you know, making that, putting that team on the mark, on the map. They had the win at LSU with him. You know, that's a, it's a good little program now. And partially because of what Neil Brown did there. And now he's a Mountaineer head coach, my guy. But we got to give the respect where it is due. And Troy deserves some respect. That was a nice little win for them. A couple games you got to check out. We got Tulane and Memphis. We got number 14, Boise State, going to BYU. And while BYU has not had a great uh, season after those first couple upsets early on, they are still a pretty good team. They can still catch you off guard, especially when you're coming into, you know, Provo. That's a tough place to play. And it will be important 
it will be vital for Boise State to get this win because if they want to continue to stay in the driver's seat for that group of five New Year's Six bowl game, they're going to need to be undefeated because looking at the American, the American's on, on their booty right now. Because they got a bunch of teams that are five and one or undefeated. Like I just said, we got Memphis and Tulane. Tulane has to be the surprise team of the year so far. Getting to five and one, going on the road to Memphis, who was just ranked, just had a tough loss on the road at Temple. But man, that's gonna be a fun game to watch too. Then we got number nine Florida against South Carolina on the road. So that's not an easy game. Coming off of a tough loss at LSU, now you got to go to a team in South Carolina who is, for all intensive purposes, firing on all cylinders right now. I mean, Helensky looks like he's going to be playing this weekend. As long as he's a hundred percent, as long as he's fairly healthy, he'll give you his normal production. And I mean, honestly, this team is hot. They just came off a huge win versus Georgia. And I mean, damn, I'll be goddamned if I think Florida is 100% going to win this game. So y'all got to keep your eyes out for that one. Next one on the list, we got Clemson hitting Louisville. And I know a lot of y'all are saying, why are you even looking at this game? Clemson's going to wipe the floor with those boys. I don't think it's that cut and dry. Clemson is a good team, but Clemson is a team with a lot of issues. And Louisville is a team that right now is surprising everybody, becoming a darling of this college football season very quickly. And in the same way that UNC almost pulled up that upset, expect to see this game real tight at the end. Now, I'm not saying that it's going to be a one-point game like UNC was, but damn, man, I'll be goddamned if Louisville doesn't keep this game tight. And honestly, I could see him winning. I'm not going to pick him. But I could see it happening. Now you got Kansas and Texas, and this is a get-right game for Texas. And you got Kentucky going to Georgia, and that's a get-right game for Georgia. So we'll have an opportunity to see if Texas and Georgia can get themselves right. You know, get themselves back in the back to feeling good. Maybe Jake Fromm proves me wrong, shuts me up over here, throws for 400 yards. <laughs> oh man, I just said that. Yeah, no way is Jake Fromm throwing for 400 yards. Uh, but I do think both those teams will win those games, and they should. But now, those are the games to keep an eye on. Now it's time for the picks and the games of the week. First off, we're leading off here with Temple going on the road to Dallas to play SMU. And SMU is a 7.5 point favorite in this game. And I can't say that I uh, disagree with that too much. So I'm going to take... The SMU Mustangs over Temple, minus 7.5 points. And reason being, this is going to be a big-time game for SMU in their season. This will be a huge win for them. They need one because they are going to head into Memphis in a couple of weeks, and they want to continue to be undefeated. And I think the difference maker here is Shane Bichelle for SMU because I just think he has that he has that big game experience. He's been at Texas, so he understands what that's all about. This is his time. This is SMU's time to start making noise. That game is at 3.30 on ESPN this Saturday, so keep an eye out right there. Uh, next game we got Baylor, who snuck out by the skin of their teeth last week 
going on the road now to take on the Oklahoma State Sooners and that that man at running back, Chuba Hubbard. And shoo, I'm not ready for this one. This is going to be a really fun game. This, this is going to be one with clashing styles, kind of. But at the same time, you look at Charlie Brewer for Baylor. He has 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. But you look at Chuba Hubbard, he's got over 1,000 yards and 13 carries. So, <laughs> I think I got to go with Oklahoma State in this one to give Baylor their first loss of the season. And you know what? I'm going to give the four points with Oklahoma State as well. This line just keeps going up, too. So, definitely, if you are looking to bet Oklahoma State, get in sooner than later because I can uh, I can imagine this is probably going to hit four and a half at some point. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some of those dummy, casual bettors who are going to throw their money on Baylor on like a money line or to plus four and might bring the line back down. If that happens, definitely drill them at three and a half, which is what they were earlier in the week. But for right now, I'm taking OK State at four. So that's where we are locking in the pick. And that game is at four o'clock Saturday. That game is on Fox. Next one we got. Number 12, Oregon, versus number 25, Washington. This is our first ranked versus ranked matchup of the week. We have three of them. This one I am really interested in watching because we have Justin Herbert, who came into the year as the darling, the NFL number one pick, one like competing with Tua for it. And now we see Jacob Eason, who has risen to the challenge. He has 13 touchdowns. And 1,692 yards, which both are more than what Justin Herbert has right now. And I mean, Washington also has Salvin Ahmad rushing for 522 yards and Aaron Fuller with 558 yards receiving. This Washington team is difficult, but this Oregon team has one of the best defenses I have ever seen from an Oregon team in my life. And Kayvon Thibodeau is starting to come up and make some big plays. But at the end of the day, I'm going to have to go with the Washington Huskies getting the three points in this one because and only because they are playing this game in Tacoma. If they were playing this game in Eugene, I would be hammering, hammering the Ducks. But the way I've seen Herbert play, the conservative style that Oregon team has gone with on offense, it just makes me believe this is going to be a tight game and probably come down to the last possession, maybe even the last play. And if you give that ball to Oregon, I think they take it and they go to the house. If you give that ball to Washington, I think they get the job done, whatever that may be. This will not be a high-scoring game. I think it'll probably be both teams will probably be under 20 so, or at least 25. So if you want to hammer the under on this one, that's set at 50. I know everybody out there hates betting the under, but you make money betting the under because when you just bet the over, most of the time, that shit don't hit. Oh, man, but the next game, and we got five. So we got two more, two more beautiful picks for you this week. And like I said, we 19 and 18, so we got money coming in this year. 17, Arizona State going on the road to 13, Utah. This one's going to be tight. Jaden Daniels is playing like a superstar. I mean, this is a freshman we're talking about who is out here with 1,610 yards passing. He has won a game on the road at Michigan State. He is 5-1 and one as a starting quarterback. 
Herm Edwards has this team firing on all levels. And I mean, all their games are pretty much one possession games, but they've won five of them. And as our second ranked matchup, I mean, you got to look at Utah on this one too. And this was a team that had national championship aspirations. They had college football playoff aspirations. And those look like they've all but evaporated, except for the fact that they can, they can win out and Oregon can win out. And you can have a situation where you have a Pac-12 championship game between a one-loss Utah and a one-loss Oregon where the winner may actually be able to get themselves into the college football playoff. So that's just something to keep in mind. And that would need a lot of chaos to happen, but it is possible. So this is a huge game for Utah at home. I think Zach Moss is going to have to be a big part of that offense because we already know both defenses are going to be great. These are two top 20 defenses. These are two elite defenses. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Zach Moss for Utah and Jaden Daniels for Arizona State. And I think just because it's a road game for Arizona State, I'm giving the nod here to Utah, but I can't take Utah minus 14 points. I just can't do that. So give me Arizona State plus 14 in this one. Mainly because, and like I said, I can't give 14 points for Utah. They have not shown me that type of confidence this season. And final, final game of the week, we have Michigan, number 16 in the nation. They've been able to win since that brutal loss to Wisconsin. They are now going on the road to Penn State, number 7, night game, ESPN. And, oof. This one does not look good for Michigan, my friends. I mean, yeah, they played a good one with Iowa. They beat up on Rutgers at a... I mean, honestly, that game with Illinois last week was looking real bad at times. I think this one is another really brutal game for Michigan. And, I mean, this is a huge game for the Jim Harbaugh era. Because if they lose this one bad, I think people are really going to start looking for his head on a silver platter. I think they lose this one bad, and I think people start looking for Jim Harbaugh's head on a silver platter. Give me Penn State minus the eight and a half points. And I don't even think it's close. I don't even think it's ten points. I don't even think it's two touchdowns. I think this is very similar to what Wisconsin put on Michigan earlier this season. Oh, man. And with that being said, I'll run them down one more time. We got SMU minus the seven and a half. OK State minus the four. Washington plus the three, Arizona State plus 14, and Penn State minus eight and a half. And with all that being said, all that being said, there's nothing left to say. And when I said everything I want to say, there's just one more thing I need to say. Stay classy, gridiron, universe, science.